it really matters that we keep a pulse in their lives, that there's a lot at stake if our teenagers are struggling and we don't have that relationship in place to be able to sense that something's wrong and they might be acting out. It might come out as anger or something else, but really trying to build that bridge to them so that they know they can come to us and that we can show them God's love and help them get through these struggles they're going through. That's Carrie Kampakis, and she's with us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. I want to speak to the moms because you have a powerful influence uh, for your children's lives. I see it through my wife, Jean, with our boys, and it's amazing how much influence Jean has with our kids. In any relationship, it takes intentionality and care in marriage, in parenting, uh, the relationships all around you. Here at Focus on the Family, we want to remind you that God has equipped you uh, to be your daughter's mother, and we're going to concentrate on that theme today with mm-hmm. our guests. I think it's a wonderful way to see your role as mom and what you're there to do, and we're going to unpack all of that. And we want to help you be the best mom you can be, and we know your heart is there. I talk to some dads, yeah, I want to do okay. Moms <laughs> never say that. Moms are like, I want to be perfect, and uh, we're going to discuss how to be better today. Mm. Yeah, and Carrie Kampakis is with us. Uh, she's a blogger and a speaker from Birmingham, Alabama, and she and her husband, Harry, have four girls, Ella, Sophie, Marie Claire, and Camille, and she's written a number of books. Uh, one we're going to look at today ties right into what you were talking about, Jim. It's called Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. Carrie, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thanks for having me. I'm actually excited to talk to you about this because it it's out of my space. I have two boys. I am not raising girls. I have my wife, Jean, who was a wonderful daughter. I actually asked her this today because I, you know, I said, what kind of daughter were you? And she said, oh, I was a pretty good daughter. But she reminded me of a story where she wrote Dear Abby when she was like 14 or 15 complaining that her mom would not let her date until she was 16 and how upset she was about that because she's such a good daughter. She could trust me to date early. I'm not going to mess up. And she said, it was so hormonal. (laughs) And I said, well, man, is that the normal thing? So let's just start there. I mean, with that teen daughter, is there just a lot of hormones going on? There is. I just think with any teenagers, and especially when it's your first child, that you you don't really see it coming because you don't know. I can say now with my fourth child getting there, I know a little bit what to expect, but with that first one, and I think you're also coming out of that sweet spot of parenting, they're they're out of diapers, they're sleeping through the night, they're easy, they're pretty capable of taking care of themselves, Um, you know, that nine to 11 year old range. And then all of a sudden, they are being thrown into puberty and hormones, a lot of social shakeups, we now have social media they're dealing with, and their brains are not fully developed, as we all know. And so it really, it can be hard because they might do something like your your wife did that's pretty out of character, (laughs) And as moms, you know, when you hear about that, it's hard not to feel that rejection or take it personally. And it really is important to know that this is normal for that stage of life, that they're learning and growing just as we're learning and growing. But how to, um, you know, balance loving them through the teenage years with also parenting them through the teenage years. Right. And it's so easy to go that direction and talk about all the difficulties, right? Dealing with this. All of a sudden, my daughter was crying. I didn't know why. When you look back, raising four daughters, you're still in that. I mean, you're still active raising these wonderful girls. Right. Um, what's been one of the high points for you? Let's let's really start there. What's been something you look back on and go, wow, that, that was really good? 
You know, I think the high point of teenagers is just getting to know their, them as people and realizing that they're not a child anymore, that I'm seeing their adult personality and being able to have some deep conversations and just the laughter. And, you know, there are moments I've even been with all my daughters in the car and they all have different personalities. And I felt like this feels like a road trip I used to take with my college girlfriends where everybody has a different personality and they're chiming in and they all have their own quirks and idiosyncrasies. But it just the group dynamic is so fun. And that's the fun part to me is that it's so different than when when they were little. And I think that's what we're trying to capture as parents are those high points and those joys and those moments we feel connected. And we feel like we're building those strong family bonds that we really want. And I'm going to over this time, we're going to unfold that together. And I'm looking forward to that because I know where this is going. (laughs) The listeners have to hang tight because that's the goal. I mean, you want to be not only your adult child's uh, parent, but you need to transition to being their friend. Mm -hmm. And that that is a good thing. It's not a bad thing when your grown child says, hey, it's it's great being your friend. That's wonderful. I just had that experience with Trent. He said the other night, and it was such a (gasps) touching thing. He goes, Dad, I I just love the fact that we're friends. And we have a lifetime of friendship together now. I was like, wow. But um, while uh, raising kids can be difficult, we touch on that, uh, there are those challenges. I love the story, the bare knuckle story of your husband coming home and finding you sobbing in a closet. Now everybody's (laughs) going, what? What happened? And what did that teach you? Yes. Well, this was my oldest daughter's 19. So this was when she was 13. And keep in mind that since she was a baby, I'd been hearing that script or your baby's so beautiful, but just wait until she's a teenager. You're in for it. And when you have four daughters, you hear that over and over, just that narrative, that negative narrative in the world. Mm. And I didn't really buy into it. And I was thinking my girls won't be that way. But what happened was as she started to become a teenager and the normal things started to happen and our relationship started to change, I started to blame it on her. I'm like, oh, those moms were right. And my response was, I got to show these girls who's boss. I've got to dig in my heels. And I just was like, you know, she, this, her attitude's got to go. Her sass has got to go. And I wasn't looking at myself. But what happened was it just created this gulf between us. And I don't even remember what we were fighting over. That's how silly the arguments were. But it had been a couple of months, and I, I hadn't even shared it with my husband because I kept thinking, this will pass. She'll, she'll start listening to me again. We'll get, our, <laughs> we'll get that close relationship back, you know, right. naive, new mom. And, um, and things were just getting worse. And we had a fight one day before school, and she went to school, and I was just, I, I was about to apologize, and I'm like, nope, I'm not apologizing. And then it was an hour later, my house was quiet, and I think that's when God's Spirit was really able to speak to me. And I just started having all this regret for our relationship. And I was, I realized, I was like, this gulf between us is getting bigger. And I just fell to my knees in my closet, just crying. Mm. And the irony was, I was writing books for teenage girls at the time. Um, I'd, I'd written two books for teenage girls, so I was traveling all over, speaking to these moms and these teenage girls, um, you know, being called an expert, which I didn't feel like. And so, I mean, I remember being in my closet thinking, nobody can ever know about this, like <laughs> this rock bottom parenting moment. But it was really the moment where I humbled myself and I just let God open my eyes to the problem was really me and how I was responding to her and I was making the problem worse. Carrie, let me get into that a little bit okay. on behalf of the many moms listening right now saying... No, they are sassy. They are fussy. They are emotional. Right. It is their fault. Right. They're, how do you come to that realization that you can only control you? I mean, this is true of raising boys, too. you right. got to come to that parenting moment where you go, okay, 
I can't control them. Right. What do you think the Lord looks down upon us with? Right. Man, I cannot control these creatures I made. Right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's very similar. I think that's the whole metaphor. I think mm -hmm. that's what the Lord has done here for us, especially right. as parents, as we look at these rascals and they're not behaving the way we want them to behave. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there is a lot of pain in that. And not everybody has that closet revelation, if I could call it that, where you come to a point where you're saying, okay, I got to work on me because that's all I can do. Right. So what advice do you have for that mom that's still shouting at us right now saying, you don't know my daughter? Right. I yeah. think the first point to be able to do that, I call it the fearless self-inventory. You have to really feel secure and know God's love for you. And I had to really, to be able to look at myself and just admit, like, this is where I'm failing, that I'm reacting to her. And I realized that it was my pride, that it was my pride getting in the way because I wanted to look like a superstar mom. And, you know, up until that point, I kind of had. She was a pretty compliant child. And so suddenly our relationship was changing, and I, I just blamed it on her. But I wasn't looking at um, when she got sassy, I was sassy back. I was just mirroring her reaction. And I could look back and say, I, I'm acting like a 16-year-old. You know, I'm not acting like the adult in this situation. Ouch. Yes. No, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. And and I think I was taking some of those things we do when they're little. You know, when they're little, we are pretty blunt. Don't run in the street. Don't do this, you know. And we take those same parenting strategies into the teenage years, and it doesn't always translate. because it doesn't always or never <laughs> Never translates. <laughs> never translates. So we can't. We have to parent in a new way. And we sometimes we have to go in the back door. We have to find ways to speak the truth and love. And what really helped me um, during that time that I was struggling, I was like, this is my, I got to search. How do I parent her but also love her and not lose this relationship at the very time that I want it the most in the with, teenage years? Yeah, without a doubt. In fact, one of the strategies you talk about in Love Her Well is this idea of well-timed communication. Yes. Now, you know, when I was reading that, I was thinking, okay, this this takes effort. So I think at, at, at one level, speak to the fact that you have to be intentional about yes. these moments. You have to be aware of them. It, it does take intuitiveness to say, okay, I got to think about this. Right. And then talk about the timely communication. What does that look like? Yes. It's funny, with each book I write, there's always a chapter or story that readers relate to the most. And that first chapter is choose your words and your timing carefully. And that's the number one chapter and story, the opening story that readers relate to. And they say, I saw myself in that situation. And basically, I think as moms, sometimes we have a thought or we see something we need to correct or our child needs to work on. And if they're like me, if I'm like, if I don't say it now, I'll forget. And, you know, you feel this pressure to get it right because they'll be leaving home in a few years. So you want to try to help shape them the way you want to. But sometimes it's not the best timing to say something or the best way to say something. And so my, then you talk to your husband. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know how this works. Right. Uh, but no, I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the issue, too. huh? You decide to talk to your husband about it. And he's going, uh, why don't you talk to our daughter? <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm like, I need you to help me here. But, but the story I used in the, in the book was um, I had a daughter. She was having a breakout on her face. But we were in the car having this great conversation, just the kind of conversations you want to have with your teenager, playing the music. It was a beautiful day. And we parked the car. And I look over, and all of a sudden what stands out to me is the sunlight's on her face, and her acne is flared up. And so I'm starting to ask her, like moms do, are you using your acne medication? 
And I stopped myself, and I know it was God stopping me because I had done the same thing a few months earlier. And I know my daughter. She's very responsible. She wanted this acne to be gone more than anybody else. It was a sensitive subject. We'd been trying all these creams for several months. And um, and when I'd asked her a few months earlier if she'd been using her medication, she said, yes, I know my face looks terrible. And I just saw her look. Mm. She It just totally was a downer. And I thought to myself, if I say this now, I know she's using her creams. It's just totally going to undo that moment we just had in the car. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut and just wait. And she got out of the car happy. That memory was saved. And I was, I learned a lesson that like, I didn't have to say that then. I could save that conversation for later and find the right time to do it. And I'm, I'm smiling because I, I just <laughs> did that the other night with one of my sons. <laughs> I, the Lord didn't stop me. <laughs> or maybe he tried and I didn't hear him. Right. But it's exactly the same thing. It was like, are you washing your face? Right. You know, so a couple of times I have stopped, but now I will stop. Thank right. you for that admonition. Are you thinking <laughs> no, of anything? I, I know, but it's so true as parents, you know, we're, yeah, we're jumping on things. You mm-hmm. know, I know that, you know, think of that teen acne. Right. They're not aware of it. Right, exactly. (laughs) And I found sometimes I know, I'm like, this conversation needs to be had, but God, give me the words. Like, what's a way I can kind of kind of gently, subtly slide in this conversation without them getting defensive because I know it's a sensitive subject. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, and again, I don't have the experience, so help me understand it. But I've read you know, a lot of data on this. When moms and daughters are fighting, whatever that may look like, there tends to be this reconciliation. They may be sobbing together and then bang, they're hugging. Oh, I'm so sorry. And that happens over some period of time. Mm-hmm. With boys, with moms, what I read often in some of the literature is... Boys just take it as shame if mm. a mom is correcting them and look me in the eye and boys don't want to look you in the eye because it's shameful. I did something wrong. I disappointed you. And they kind of cocoon where it sounds like daughters, you can get through it. It's just another spat. Right. Is, yes. is that accurate on the daughter side? Is yes. that kind of how it works? Yes. I think and something that's really helped, I guess, inspire me and empower me is just knowing the importance of conflict resolution. And really realizing, we know we've all been parenting a long time, that in any long-term relationship, whether it's with your child or your marriage, you're going to have some conflict. And if there's not conflict, you might not be honest with each other. But, you know, there's all this research that says, is it John Gottman, who's America's top couples therapist? He said the number one predictor of success in marriage is how well two people can work through conflict. Right. And I took that into parenting my daughter. Instead of being so scared every time we had conflict, is teach her healthy ways to work through this. Because I see this in my work with teen girls, these friendships that end because they get mad at each other and they can't resolve the conflict. Right. Or they can't express how they were hurt or they express it in an unhealthy way and it just ruins their relationships. And I'm like, nobody's really teaching them that, but this has consequences for their marriage, for their career, for every relationship in the future. So I, I started thinking, you know, in my relationship with my daughter, this is unconditional love. Even if she gets it wrong, she's not going to lose my love. And so what better place to learn how to resolve conflict in a healthy way than when we do fight? So that kind of gives some meaning to your arguments. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and I should have a moment ago, which was how do you not let yourself be triggered to act like that Mm 16-year-old with your 16-year-old and you start this fight? Right. Um, What do you think about when your emotions are tempted? How do you back up and say, okay, 
let me be the adult in the room, as you described it. Right. Well, I think, and you know, I think you've alluded to this too. Sometimes we have to fail to get it right the next time, get it wrong first, and just say, okay, next time I'm going to respond differently. I know better. I'm going to do it differently. So that's helped me is just admitting to my daughter, I messed up. I'm going to work on this. And then in the future, trying to do it differently. And if mm-hmm. I don't, if I fail, which I do, apologizing again, but just really trying to get it right. And I also think that, um, and I do think this is one way that moms fail themselves, is that we are not keeping ourselves in fighting condition, that sometimes we're not in a strong place, that that makes us really reactive to what our kids are doing. So the older I get, the more I'm like, you know, my friendships and my relationships with my husband and the other people who love me, that's like a form of self-care because these are the people that build me up, that help me stay strong for when I do turn around and love my daughter and try to keep loving her even when she's not acting very lovable. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. When your bucket is empty, Mm -hmm. what are you going to respond with? Mm -hmm. Probably something very empty as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Carrie, I probably should have asked this a while ago, but describe the world, uh, especially for someone like Jean and and me with no daughters, what is the world like for a teen girl today? Oh, it just breaks my heart. And I think that is really, that is something that can help mothers soften toward their daughters is what we're seeing on the outside, that hardness or that edginess. Usually they're struggling on the inside. But, you know, I see the number one email and phone call I get is just girls struggling with friendship. I think they live in an age of disposable friendships. And, you know, for the teenage years, especially for girls, friends are like oxygen. So when something goes wrong in that area of life, it is devastating. So they're having these friendship struggles, anxiety. You know, you talk to any counselor, you can't even get into with a counselor now because anxiety has become such an issue, um, especially since the quarantine, Um, not only with teenage girls, but teenage boys too. depression. Um, the suicide rate for teenage girls, I think, is the highest it's been in 40 years. Mm. And so that's one thing I just want to really encourage parents is that it really matters that we keep a pulse in their lives, that there's a lot at stake if our teenagers are struggling and we don't have that relationship in place to be able to sense that something's wrong and they might be acting out. It might come yeah. out as anger or something else, but really trying to build that bridge to them so that they know they can come to us and that we can show them God's love and help them get through these struggles they're going through. And that is so good. Um, how do you pray for your daughters? I know how I pray for sons, <laughs> but what, what role does faith play in, in your home and how do you pray for them? Oh, it's huge. I, I pray for them all the time. When they were little, I probably did more praying over them when they were young and I was tucking them into bed. Now I do a lot of prayers throughout the day. And I have one daughter that's in college, so I'm praying for her, just her safety and protection and good people coming into her life. But um, I just really pray. I've learned I can pray at a five-second prayer. If I'm worried about something, if there's something that's making me anxious, just sending that prayer up to God. But um, but yeah, you know, I just realized I've got two kids with food allergies. One of them had an allergic reaction last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with me coming out of town, I mean, you know, my husband's with me. That created a lot of anxiety in me the past few days. And so I just have really had to lean into my prayer life and my faith. And God, please protect them, especially if I'm not there. Give them the tools that they might need. So I don't really have a system, but I just just continually through the day as they come to mind or as I'm having quiet time, I think of specific prayers that I think might be helpful. Uh, Let's talk about the positive side you just mentioned. Uh, What are a few ways uh, that you can enjoy (laughs) your teen girl and the teen girl years? Yes. Everybody's leaning in now. Seriously? You can (laughs) enjoy this? Yes. They're so fun. I mean, just their energy and 
excitement and it doesn't take much to make them happy. And that's what's so cool about a teenager is that you don't have to plan some fancy trip. It's just these little daily gestures that mean a lot. Um, I talked to a girl whose mother had passed away a few years ago uh-huh. and she was sharing her best memories with her mom and she said she danced and so so many great memories were made as they were traveling to these dance competitions. But her mom would also do things like if she knew she had a hard week at school or she had a big test day that she'd have her favorite Greek salad waiting for at home. Just that little act of love like I know you, I see you and I'm right. proud of you. She said one time she went on a trip with her friends and her mom, she opened her suitcase at the beach and her mom had packed a new blouse in her suitcase and some snacks for the friends. And so I think it's just those little things like that, that, you know, we see our daughters, we're like, you are smart and kind and beautiful. We see how amazing they are, but they don't see that about themselves, that they, they are surrounded by girls who are smart and kind and beautiful. And so just being singled out like that and knowing that, that they are so loved by their parents and showing God's love that way. Yeah. Um, but then I think just knowing their heart, too, if they love ices or, like I said, Greek salads or acai bowls or queso. I think queso is always a huge tip for teenagers. If you know that all their friends are coming to your house after they've been out, have some snacks out, their favorite yeah. foods. It's just little things like that. Uh, right here at the end, you mentioned in the book some core beliefs about parenting. I think it'd be great for the listeners, the viewers to hear those. What are they? Well, um, a few of them are, uh, one, parenting is too big and challenging for parents to handle alone, and God didn't create us to handle it alone. He is there to support us, and we also need community to go through it with us. I like that. Uh, another big one is that, you know, we know what God wants. He wants unity and harmony in our relationships. We have an enemy who wants to destroy our relationships. And a lot of times when we feel that tension with our daughter, that he might be at work there playing up our pride or other mm-hmm. things. Um, the Greek word for devil is diablos, and it means the one who divides. So I've had to know that if I'm feeling division, that he might be kind of tinkering up something here yeah. and to really lean into my faith and pray for God to help guide me to choose, make the right choices. Um, another important one is to, to know that every child and every parent is just one decision away from falling off a cliff. Every child is just one decision away from making their parents look like the worst parents on earth. And as we remember that, we're less likely to judge other parents whose kids have messed up. Sure. We're more likely to show mercy and, you know, to walk through these, the fallouts with our children when they mess up because we've got to admit that they're human and we're all sinful and we all need a savior. Yeah. And, that, and that's probably the biggest parenting point of all is that we're not meant to do this alone. And even our failures, because God is so good, he can use them for redemption and restoration and just sh- let us show the love of Christ to our children and to others. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story I started the book with about me failing, I plan to never tell to anybody. And yet <laughs> right. five years later, it's the opening to a book. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, God is so good. I never would have thought that this is where that story would go. And Carrie, I think, you know, the last obvious question is for that mom where the relationship is broken. You know, she's headed into the closet with all that emotion and the tears of what is going on in this relationship. Everything I say is wrong. Everything I do is wrong. And she just seems to hate me. What do you suggest to her to begin to change that? Right. I just suggest that just to keep being proactive Keep loving your daughter. Keep showing love, even if it's not reciprocated. But to do that, the mom has to be in a good place. 
sometimes we're relying on our daughters to make us feel good, to give that love back, and they're not, or our Mm -hmm. sons. And so that's why we've got to have the love of our spouse, or if we're not married, our friends, or our therapist, or our parents, or our coworkers, to really invest in building a strong community of people who see the good in you, who encourage you, who know how hard you're trying, even though your child doesn't. And just to pray, ask God, like, God, you, you see my faithfulness, and I'm just trusting you with this child in our relationship and just praying for the restoration there. But but don't give up on your child or yourself or God. Just mm. keep doing that because children are typically not going to come to us saying, I want to have a stronger relationship, that it really is up to us as parents to build that bridge yeah. and just to keep trying. And one day, hopefully her daughter, you know, 20 years from now might be like, wow, my mom must have really loved me, you know, once she's in a more mature place to see that she kept loving me and trying, even though I was being salty to her. Yeah, that's good advice, Carrie. And this has been so good. I hope encouraging uh, to the moms in the audience and wherever they're at. Maybe they're just in front of the teenage years or maybe they're now into the 20-somethings and they need to do some repair work. Uh, This is an excellent resource, your book, Love Her Well. I mean, that is, I think that's God's heart for your relationship Mm. with your daughter as well. And Carrie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Uh, This was awesome. I've loved, like I said, I've loved your ministry for so long. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you just do wonderful work, both Mm. of you. Well, thank you. What a great message today for moms from Carrie Kampakis on Focus on the Family. And I hope you've been inspired to be more intentional in your relationship with your daughter. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. I found this so helpful. As a mother of three girls, not quite the four that Carrie has, and two that are in their teens, it can be really hard. Um, But I so enjoyed Carrie's insights into the world of teen girls, what they're dealing with, how they interact with their world, and what they need most from their relationships with us, their moms. The book we're recommending is called She Is Yours, Trusting God as You Raise the Girl He Gave You by Jonathan and Winter Pitts. With this practical advice and encouragement, you can help your daughter develop awesome relationships with God, with you, and with the world around her. You'll find this resource, along with a range of other great resources and devotionals, on our website at safamily.co.za. Or ask for it when you call us on 031-716-3300. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.